morning, fantasy coaches, and welcome to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester. Today, we're going to be covering a bunch of players that Chris Harris, the the award-winning podcast host, is high on and the players that he's low on. Uh, So make sure you listen in and take notes because it's going to be great stuff. As always, I've got producer JP Gale by my side. Before we get into the discussion with Chris Harris, I wanted to remind you that we're going to be doing a drawing for a free Hall of Fame upgrade for Draft Wizard which is a spectacular tool that gets even better with this top tier upgrade. So all you have to do, rate and review us on iTunes for this podcast, then just copy and paste it into an email to me. That's bobby at fantasypros.com. And finally, we're still accepting entries for our podcast league. If you want in, all you have to do, send me an email, bobby at fantasypros.com or tweet me at bobbyfantasypro and write just 10 words on why we should pick you to compete against me, producer JP, and two of our experts. We're going to be making the selections next week week so make sure you get your 10 words sent in all right fantasy football time and that means chris harris he's one of the biggest names in the industry fresh off winning the 2015 fantasy podcast of the year award so if you're like me you're really eager to hear what he has to say uh, before you jump into your fantasy drafts next week so today i'll be chatting with chris about the players he ranks high on uh higher on than consensus and players he ranks lower on the consensus um so if for whatever reason you're not following chris on twitter and want to he can be found at harris football i'm now joined by chris to chat about his rankings hi chris thanks for coming on the show of course thank you very much for having me i very happy. We've been planning this for a while. I'm glad it's finally happening. <laughs> well, Chris, I have my most important draft tomorrow, and it's the most important because I'm drafting against the guys I work with, so I want to win. Well, a few years ago, I made the mistake of eating some really spicy wings for lunch right before my draft, and this was like before <laughs> smart, everyone had smartphones, and I had to leave my auction three times. I ended up missing Sidney Rice, who was my guy that year, and it was the year that he was the number one for Brett Favre. So I don't want this to happen again. What do you eat before your drafts? <laughs> I don't know if I have a ritual, but I'm going to stay away from, well, I don't, I'm a vegetarian, so I'm not eating okay. meat, but I think I'm going to stay away from anything that may require repeated trips to the bath. I guess though that <laughs> now the good, the good thing is we can have our phones with us, right? Back then, you know. it was a disaster man i was so mad i was in college too so it was like if i don't win my fantasy football league none of the girls are gonna like me you know what i mean oh yeah that's i think actually (laughs) actually losing is is the way the girls like you from what i can tell (laughs) (laughs) i don't think they like anything with it um unless you've seen that uh fanium fantasy football video Uh, apparently the girls dig it um yeah (laughs) Anyway, so we're going to talk about some of the players you're really high on and some of the players you're really low on. I call this the bullish and bearish segment. And we're going to start at quarterbacks. And you have Tom Brady ranked your number seven quarterback, whereas our expert consensus rankings have him at number 11. So why why do you differ so much from the uh, the rest of the experts on Tom Brady this year? I guess we'll have to talk to those other experts. Uh, (laughs) I can, you know, I... I am, you know, before the suspension came down, I did my ranks kind of right after the draft. Tom Brady was my number one quarterback. And of course, he can't be your number one quarterback when he's not going to play for whatever, nearly a third of your fantasy season. But he was awfully good last year. I know he's old, but I didn't see any signs of decline. At least Peyton Manning had the good sense to show some people. I wasn't smart enough to see it, but a lot of people saw it. uh, You know, that the the year before, the the second to last year, he started to fade out a little bit. Uh, Didn't see it from Brady. You know, uh, if he was... uh, Honestly, I don't know where I would have him relative to Newton if, if, uh, if he were playing the full season, now that I've had a chance to think about it. But if I get a... If I can kind of 
patchwork together another quarter. You know, I think the only cost of of drafting Brady as a fantasy starter is you normally I wouldn't want to roster a second quarterback, but it yep. feels to me like a price worth paying. I'm willing to do it for a month. I'll cobble together some Frankenstein's monster of quarterbacks for a month, and then I'll take Brady, who just might be the best, you know, at least the best fantasy quarterback from that point on. When you're going into your fantasy playoffs, and, and if you can't survive four weeks without your starting quarterback with all these great streaming quarterback options available, then you're not worth your salt, right? So why wouldn't you just take one of the surefire top three quarterbacks for your fantasy playoffs? And that's Tom Brady. I'm right with you. Yeah. I mean, so the 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 feeling is, of course, you certainly can mess it up in that month. And then really, maybe you're still making your playoffs, but maybe you're playing a better seed or maybe your league has penalties for being a road team in the playoffs you know the a lesser seeded team in the playoffs so, yeah you know you I, I very much could mess it up i'll think i've got the streaming solution of all streaming solutions in, <laughs> in september and completely screw it up and wind up one and three or whatever and that can mess up your season so there has to be some risk baked in but i'm with you you know i, I would like to have brady once the playoffs come all right, you have Kirk Cousins at number 19. Now, this is a guy that was fantastic at the end of the season, and I was really hoping to get as, as my QB1, if not for Jameis Winston. So what is it with Cousins that you don't like? Is he not going to be able to sustain a success at the end of the last season? Yeah, he's not. <laughs> the well, short answer. Next question. Not at that rate. <laughs> no, next question. You know, the, the, the person who I'm giving <laughs> my, my 2016 Nick Foles award to, is Kirk Cousins. I, I'm scared. I thought on yeah. film there were so many mistakes that didn't get picked off that, you know, first of all, he's very conservative. And so the the crazy scoring rate there in December, I just don't feel like it, given his style of play, I don't feel like it will it will sort of last over a full season. No question. You know, from basically from that moment in the you like that game, you know, the Tampa game, <laughs> uh, from that point on, he was good. He didn't didn't throw interceptions. He threw a bunch of touchdowns. Yeah. It just reminded me a lot of Nick Foles. Like I see so, you know, okay. It's not fair. Not every quarterback has, is, is consistently good or bad all through an entire season. I remember the Buffalo tape that might've been week 15 immaculate, really, really good stuff. So he's capable of pulling good games, but a lot of throws that I thought should have been picked and weren't. In fact, the throw that rescued him at halftime of that Tampa game, I've said this a few times, uh, you know, he's, I think they're losing by 21, maybe going into halftime and they're driving. He throws a pick to Chris Conti. Chris Conti, it being Chris Conti, it hits him in the face and he doesn't catch it or something <laughs> close to that. And, uh, and you know, they, they score a touchdown. They have the huge comeback in the second half. Magic happens. Washington makes the, makes the playoffs. You know, Jay Gruden was on the verge of being fired in that game. I think Kirk Cousins was on the verge of being benched. So, you know, I think I hate falling back on this as a, as an argument because it isn't necessarily true, but Washington not inking him to the long-term deal, not really even being interested in it. It just, for me, it, maybe it's a confirmation bias thing. That's I don't believe in the player, so I'm willing to sort of believe, but uh, that that's what that means. I, I just think he's due a, a major regression. Yeah. 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 I get that. Um, I, I think he's due for a regression, but uh, but obviously not quite as much as you. But your reasons make a lot of sense. I haven't watched as much tape as you, so I'll have to, uh, to dive into it a little bit. Now, moving over to some of the running backs, mm -hmm. you have David Johnson all the way down at number six. I've been talking <laughs> to a bunch of guys who have him as their number one player on the board, and uh, I'm not sure that I understand either side. So tell me why you're right here. 
Yeah, I mean, I I have a line in this fantasy football almanac that that I put out that a lot of a lot of folks have thankfully thank you people who've bought it I appreciate it HarrisFootball.com if you're still interested uh, and the line goes if you're tempted to draft David Johnson in the first round breathe deeply pick up a picture of C.J. Anderson and smash yourself repeatedly <laughs> in the face with it because I don't you know. Uh, I, you know, I will say that for sure, I think on on tape, David Johnson, better player than C.J. Anderson. I, I would evaluate their talents, different kinds of players. I think, uh, you know, David Johnson, a bigger guy, probably a better pass catcher. I think a little bit more sort of north-south acceleration. Okay, look, probably better long speed, too, once once he's up to up to speed. But I don't, I don't look at him and say, see, elite player. I see a little heavy-footed laterally. I see... Uh, you know, bounced a lot of stuff to the outside. And that's a rookie thing that can change. So I wouldn't want to condemn him forever on that. But I see flaws as a player. And, you know, you tell me what happened to CJ Anderson the moment he wasn't the good Peyton Manning's caddy. He wasn't going to carry that team. You know, and I, I don't think David Johnson, if Carson Palmer, something went wrong or it's not quite the offense that we hope it would be. I think there's a real downside to David Johnson if things just you know, things in the NFL change quickly, which isn't to say I don't like him, but it is to say I wouldn't take him in the first round. It's it's too small a sample size and it's not bulletproof enough a skill set for me. There's absolutely safer picks in the first round. I, I completely agree. And David Johnson is scary. I, I wrote something very similar about uh, C.J. Anderson on my uh, Draft Wizard player notes, and it was it was before I read anything you had to say about him. Um, but don't these people learn their, learn their lessons? I mean, C.J. Anderson was going number eight, number nine last year, and everyone was really excited about him. And he just fell on his face. Yeah. And we uh, all knew that he was a risk. I mean, you can't take risks like that in the first round. I feel the same way. I, you know, I have a few running backs actually in standard scoring leagues. I have a few running backs at the very top of my draft board. I'm going to take Peterson, Gurley, and I'm going to take the cheese on Charles's reconstructed knee at the very top. And I realize with Charles, I don't need to take him that early and maybe I won't, but that's where I would rank him. But after that, I don't want a lot of running backs. I want a bunch of wide receivers. I feel like the scarcest position in the league right now is unquestioned starting running back who I like. <laughs> you know who I who I trust and uh because it's the scarcest it's what I want but after that you know my number 567 running back that's my number 18 19 20 overall player in a standard league Chris, I am right with you with getting that bell cow running back um, because we, we know what to expect out of these guys. We had a listener ask a question, and I think it's a good time to ask it. You have Jamal Charles number three on your board. I'm also really high in Charles, and he wants to know if Jamal Charles, if you knew he was going to be healthy the entire season, if you knew all the running backs were going to be healthy the entire season, would Jamal Charles be number one on your board? I think he'd be three. I think I think I've assumed basic full health under the assumption, you know, early season ACL tear hopefulness, I guess. But I think he'd be three. I think he's an unbelievable talent, but he's a different kind of player than Peterson and Gurley. And in the end, I'll take the bigger guys where I do feel like a little more durability, but also just they, you know, they're bigger guys who also have ridiculous lateral movement. Not quite as ridiculous as J mail, but really, really good. And in Gurley's case, a huge amount of long speed. I think AP's got decent long speed left too. So I think I would still have them in the order that I have them. But if someone told me one, I would not at all argue because as far as small backs go, he's the best there is right now. Small. So Chris, if you get the number one overall pick, you're taking Adrian Peterson, even though he's going to be there at eight or nine. Are, are you going to try to trade down so you can get better value or are you taking AP? 
Well, you know, it depends on if you're in a league where that's an option. You know, I, I know he's not going to yeah. be there. If I'm picking one, I know he's not going to be there at 24. You know, yeah, so yeah. I, I'm I'm going to take him. Yeah, I I interesting. I have found myself, like you said, being at eight. I was in a in a an experts draft in New York. I can't. All the days are blurring together, but it was like a 10 <laughs> days ago or something. And and I got it was a 12 team half half PPR and a lot of, you know, and I probably in any PPR related thing, I'm not taking a running back one. I'm going to take one of those three wide receivers, but it just so happened they were all gone and some others receivers were gone too. And Peterson was there at eight. So I took him and then I can't even, I, you know, the second round might've been Brandon Marshall. And then the third I round like was epic. And the third round was Doug Martin. And, wow, uh, and Doug Martin's number four on your board. That's fantastic. Yeah, so that's for a nice as, draft, right? So as far as my ranks go, you know, I might be wrong, but as far as my ranks go, it sort of fell <laughs> fell just right. And so I'm with you in some ways. If you feel that way about one of those running backs, and you feel like eh, most leagues they're gonna kind of fall, then you'd rather almost be picking a little bit later in the first. And Chris, another guy that you're really high on compared to uh, the consensus rankings is Jonathan Stewart. You have him as your number five running back. Yeah. Um, and you know, everybody who watches a lot of tape, Pro Football Focus says he was one of the top three running backs in football last year. Uh, he's a real talented guy. But how far are you willing to reach on Stewart and why do you like him so much? Yeah, it's, it's all about what he looks like on film. Uh, I recognize the weakness and the weakness comes down to injury. You know, he's really he's a foot ankle you know, type injury waiting to happen. It happened again last year, even though it wasn't severe enough that, you know, if he'd needed to play, he could have in those last three games. But of course, it happened at the moment when the fantasy playoffs came. But, you know, this is a big player who just has really great lateral quickness, really great acceleration, not top end long speed. He's not really a home run threat like a Doug Martin is, for example, Jamal Charles. Uh, but kind of everything else. I, I even think he can catch, you know, he has a 40 plus catch season in his bat past. They're That's right. Probably not going to use him that way now. So I don't want to overemphasize that, but he just feels like a player. If I were lining up talents at the running back position in the NFL, would Jonathan Stewart be in my top five? Like, I think it would be close. I talent wise. I like him more than David Johnson. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, wow. Significantly. I don't think it's close. Honestly, I don't wow. think it's close in terms of, I, you know, watch that, watch that playoff game against Seattle. The, so, you know, he misses the last three games of the regular season and then, you know, okay, well, he's back for the playoffs. First play of the game. They give him a little carry off the right side. He gets through a hole. Earl Thomas has a beat on him and he just goes zip. And Earl Thomas is waving at air and falls down and it's a 60 yard, whatever gain. And it's like, dude, could you have not done that for me in the fantasy playoffs? That would have been really, <laughs> really awesome. I think just ability wise, I love him. I get the argument that goes Cam steals short touchdowns and Tolbert steals short touchdowns. In 13 games last year, Stewart had seven. So you know what? That's a good enough pace for me. I'll, that's a good offense. And there are touchdowns there. Let's be clear. He's my number five running back in a standard. He's my number 18 overall player in a standard. So, you know, where am I going to take him? You know, I recognize he's going in the fourth, fifth round sometimes, you know, like I, I just get scared. I don't know what's your philosophy, Bobby. Like, do you feel like when you love a guy more than the market, how, how comfortable do you feel waiting? I, I am the very opposite as you. I'm a, uh... I always think that I can wait and I'm trying to, <laughs> to get my cake and eat it too. Like I, right. I, I always lose. I always lose when yeah. I do that. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I can't help myself, but think that I'm, I'm just going to try to get the best value. Well, and that's, that's something to do with your job. You know, it's something to do with the site that you work for, right? Because you're, you're, it's yeah. so ingrained into you what the market is saying and what the experts are saying. And I get that. And I try to do it too. It's just, I try not to push it too far. 
you know, to some degree, I think it's disingenuous when people in the business here go, you know, take them in the late second, take them in the early fourth. Like, okay, but what if I'm picking in the early second or the late fourth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't have that option. Uh, and, in, you know, my, my advice in general is like, I take the players you like. You know, yeah, try to get value. No, you probably don't need to take Stewart in the second round in most leagues. But all it takes is one person to like him as much as you do, and you You're don't exactly get this right. player you love, you know? I was burned on Arian Foster with that last year. Now, granted, he ended up getting hurt, but I was really mad at you the time. Yeah. And uh, everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I love Sterling Shepard, but it's got to the point where there's so much hype surrounding him, mm. where where he's going in drafts, I'm not sure that I feel comfortable with it, even though he's one of my guys. Like where I have him 84 overall right now, and it feels like I'm being stupid. It feels like I've totally yeah. taken the bait. Is I think I might even be a little higher than him on the market, am I? That's right where he is right now. Okay. And, you all know, right. he started the year about, I think he was 138 when he first yeah. started, and yeah. he's marched all the way up there. That's about the max of where I'm taking him. I'll take him in the late 8th, early ninth in a 10-team league. Yeah. Um, but, but you, you know, know, I think someone's going to take him before me, and that's fine. Well, what, that's fine oh, at that stage. Right. What I'll say about that, too, is that part of my again, shtick is like, I, I really try not to watch the preseason. I really don't believe the rosy reviews coming out of camp. I try not to live and die with every little thing that gets said, you know, just too much PR in the NFL when bad stuff leaks out. Okay. I'll pay attention. Cause when that, when bad stuff gets through the PR, <laughs> you know, that's, that means something, you know, all the positive reports from camp, all the beat reporters saying he's so great. Oh, he got it mistaken for Odell Beckham. Like, I just don't want that to be the reason. <laughs> and the reason I'm falling back on is that, you know, I loved the kid at Oklahoma, loved him, just thought he would be a first rounder, was really excited. He tested poorly. Let's face it. The lateral quickness, he just did not test out like you'd expect a Beckham type, an outside receiver type to test out. And I got bummed and I had him low. And now I've told myself, well, maybe he just had a bad day. But I'm sure I'm sure part <laughs> of it is I'm, I'm getting sucked into the group think like everybody else. Of course. Yeah, it would be nice if you could just tune everything out and still be really excited about fantasy football. But, you know, all the noise is what makes us so excited, right? I don't know. I, I kind of <laughs> hate the noise and I have fun railing against it on my on my show. You know, it's it's five days a week, the podcast. So it's, yeah. it, you know, you got to have something. You got to have a theme. My theme is the echo chamber. I just think it's you, you do a lot more harm to yourself than good. But you're right, though. I mean, if it didn't exist, my podcast wouldn't be as fun because I wouldn't have stuff to, like, moan about. <laughs> If you're listening and you haven't listened to Chris's podcast, I mean, there's a reason it won podcast of the year last year. It's fantastic. Go take a look. I'm learning so much from this guy every time I listen to him. He's the man. This is a great podcast. Go listen to it. I appreciate that. Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah. I really mean it. I sincerely mean it. Um, and Chris, before we move on to wide receivers, yeah. I want to talk about two running backs really quick that you have super low compared to the experts. That's DeMarco Murray, number 33, mm -hmm. and Duke Johnson, number 38. I'm dying to know <clears throat> why you're low on these guys. All right. So Murray comes down to... You know, I think people are still living in two years ago and thinking, well, he's a good player. He's, he, no, he's a great player. And he just got caught up in a mess in Philadelphia. And I agree it was a mess in Philadelphia, but I don't agree he's a super great player. I was telling folks last year when they were taking him at the end of the first round, you're 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 wrong on this guy. Like, I think he's a good player. I uh, just don't think he he's a super exceptional player. I think he is kind of does everything above average. I think he's kind of an above average back. And 
I think they have another above average back on the roster. And I think that player, they're invested in seeing what at some point he can do. And I have Murray and Henry rated within a few spots of each other in my running back ranks and in my overall ranks. So, you know, I just, I don't want to be the player, uh, the fantasy player who takes DeMarco Murray thinking he's a fantasy starter. And then week six comes along and the Titans are 0 and 5. And Derek Henry, you know, they're like, okay, well, we better look at the kid, you know. And of course. Murray will play. As long as Murray's healthy, it's not like I'm saying he's benched or something like that. But I think people are rating Murray as though he's one of those clear starters. And I think it winds up being a platoon. Uh, with Duke Johnson, certainly way higher on him in a PPR. I think he's a, a very gifted on film, wide uh, pass catching running back. I've said this a few times, people who like follow me around the dial of fantasy shows have heard me say, <laughs> I apologize for repeating, but it, it bears mentioning that I think the best running back catch that I saw all year, it was against San Diego. It was, uh, he was split out wide, maybe the slot, he had a linebacker on him. Uh, so it wasn't so much the fact that he beat the linebacker running a, running a flag or it might've been a corner, but rather just how he caught the ball it was full extension over the shoulder, over his head, you know, complete horizontal on the ground, you know, catching it and, and then getting both feet in uh, just a great play. And it makes me think great stuff is ahead and it wouldn't shock me if he leads the NFL in running back receptions, but I don't like Cleveland. I think they're cruising for a real problem. Uh, I'm going to take Crowell. I'm going to take uh, Duke Johnson over Crowell, but I just, I don't really like either guy. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Going back to DeMarco Murray. Uh, I mean, we saw what Darren McFadden did behind that Dallas offensive line. And before he was with Dallas, he wasn't doing anything. I mean, mm -hmm. offensive lines make a, a huge difference. It's right. pretty clear. And uh, Tennessee's offensive line is nothing compared to Dallas's. I mean, I know they added Ben Jones, but I, I don't think it's going to be enough to uh, bring him back to uh, to where he's going in drafts, at least in terms of value. So uh, yeah. I'm in agreement with you there. Probably not. I don't have you. Uh, I don't have Murray as low as you have him, but I'm definitely low on him and avoiding him in drafts. So you know, I would be. The, so I had actually. Uh, we're we're talking on Tuesday, the 23rd of August, and I had. Ross Tucker on my show as my guest. And we actually took that, you know, Ross is a former lineman in the, in the NFL. And so every year he's every year, it's been two years, but he, each of the last two <laughs> years, he's come on the show and, and we've talked about lines in general, ones we think might get better, get worse. We didn't specifically mention the Titans, but we did devote some time to the idea that deciding that we know what lines are before the season starts for good or for bad, maybe ex with the exception of the Cowboys line is probably folly because things change and players who weren't good other places sometimes just blend together well and get better over the course of a season. I would never say the Titans line can't be good. It's sort of a college all-star line <laughs> in a way, Yeah. but uh, I, you know, I haven't seen it be good yet. So, you know, I am somewhat dubious as, as are you. That, that's a really great point about lines changing so much. All right, let's hop over and look at a couple wide receivers. And you have Larry Fitzgerald as the number one uh, wide receiver in Arizona. You've also got Floyd and Brown, uh, you know, in the upper 20s. But why are you higher on Fitzgerald? You're the first guy I've talked to who has Fitzgerald in the top 20 wide receivers. Yeah, and it's even worse than that. You, when you look at my PPR ranks, you'll feel even number like 13, I'm, stu I'm stupider. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm far stupider. <laughs> uh, you know, it, what it comes down to is I've yet to really hear a, a case that I agree is a, is a fair case that last year doesn't recur. You know, if last year recurs, Larry Fitz catches 100 and whatever balls and we're not having this conversation. I think, you know, Fitz finished as like the seven, I think, or eight or I can't remember, but he was well inside the top 10 in standard leagues and higher than that in a PPR. So the case that people want to make is 
Let's look at his numbers when each of the other two guys weren't healthy. I'm already skeptical of numbers in football. Now we're cutting them down even further. Like, you know, now instead of looking at 16 games, we're looking at 11 games or 10 games. And then people want to say, look at him. He trailed off at the end of last year. You know, I, I look at those actual games and in that included in that was, let's see, a game against the Eagles where the Cardinals were killing him. Fitzgerald didn't play a lot in the second half. A game, a game against the Packers, where the Cardinals were killing them. Fitzgerald didn't play a lot in the second half. And a game against the Seahawks, the last game of the season, where they were getting killed and they you know, didn't play a lot of their guys in the second half. All I know is that if you want to talk about Larry Fitzgerald wearing down last year, tell that to the Packers in overtime in the playoff game when he catches a little dinky one in, you know, in overtime after the miracle Aaron Rodgers getting him back in the game and takes it to the house, right? And I don't feel like that was a player who looked like he was cooked. He's 33. I don't know when that got old for receiver. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of choose to believe it's going to work out in a similar way. I, I just, Michael Floyd, people are projecting. I have, I have both Floyd and John Brown in my top 30, so I don't want to say I don't like them, but people are projecting stardom for Michael Floyd. And I'm afraid I've never seen that kid's head be right enough and consistent enough to, for him to be like a, a clear, like, wow, this is the guy, you know, Larry Fitzgerald has some of the best hands in the history of football. The red zone stuff isn't fluky. It seems to happen every year. He has a decent quarterback and I think the volume will be there. You know, he runs about, I don't know, 50 to 60% out of the slot. Now, certainly not a deep guy. I think he's a good safety valve in that offense. I'm going to choose to believe the volume is still there. He had 1,215 yards last year. I mean, that's right there behind A.J. Green. Uh, He had a lot more receptions than A.J. Green. Yeah, A.J. Green's going in the first round, and he has uh, a quarterback controversy. I mean, is Andy Dalton even going to be the quarterback the whole year? Fitzgerald has Carson Palmer. Um, I'm loving that you have Fitzgerald high in your list. I'm right there with you that he's the best uh, wide receiver still in Arizona. I don't have him as high as you do, but it's nice to talk to someone who's a big believer in (laughs) Fitzgerald still. (laughs) I am. I mean, you know, of course— Last year was the first time in a while that he had a, a quarterback playing very well for an entire season. You know, Palmer was playing well for the parts of 2014 in which, he, you know, he wasn't hurt. 2013 he didn't play very well. And before that, it was the successions of, you know, John Skelton's and Ryan Lindley's. And it's a shame. It makes me feel like now that we know what Fitzgerald's capable of, at least as of last year, you know, we really sort of missed some of his prime years just being bogged down with, you know, 60 catches, 70 catches a year with just the worst, the worst quarterbacks. Now, there's three wide receivers that I have to pick your brain on because you have them a lot lower than everyone else, and they're all guys that I'm interested in for my draft tomorrow. So i got to know what right. you think about Marvin Jones, Dante Moncrief, and Kevin White. And uh, we're kind of running out of time, so if you want to give quick answers, if you're able, on those three, <laughs> uh, I'm real curious about them. I like if you're able, because I can, I can hear myself <laughs> like running on and on. Uh, so uh, Marvin Jones, I think what he is is a tall, skinny guy who I would be surprised if he suddenly becomes a very diverse wide receiver. I think Todd Pinkston, I think, you know, good, good speed, do a good deep threat, going to make some plays, but I, you know, maybe some red zone stuff too, but not, not an over the middle guy. I think we'll get his, he's just too, he's not, he's frail, you know, he's too small. Uh, so for me, I would rather have Golden Tate all day long. Um, for uh, Dante Moncrief, I might be a little low on him. I mean, skills wise, you're talking DeAndre Hopkins, uh, I just haven't seen the Colts wow. skills wise is great, but I haven't seen the Colts yet run a lot of plays for him. Even when luck was healthy last year, 
just why is he not the primary receiver on more play like red zone plays? There was a touchdown against Malcolm Malcolm Butler one on one right to Dante Moncrief. Just throw up in the air. Butler's got no chance. He's a good player. No chance. But not enough of that. And so maybe things change and maybe I'm too low on him. Who is the third guy? Kevin White. Oh, Kevin White. He's a rookie. You know, I know he's just not technically a rookie, but he's a rookie. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I don't know how people are viewing Kevin White as any kind of sure thing. I get there's upside. And you know what? It somewhat depends on your league. If you're in a league where you're just, where you usually can get what you want off the waiver wire, where half the guys in your league aren't paying that much attention and you just kind of can get solutions over the course of a season pretty easily, the Kevin Whites and Devontae Parkers and Dante Moncriefs should be higher than I have them because... If it's a mistake, it's okay. The next guy's coming along. You'll be all right. You know, in a league where it's a little harder to get the solution you need, a little scarcer, maybe there's some fab money and people spend their fab money well. You know, I think you have to factor in the downside that Kevin White has 40 catches for 820 yards this year because sometimes that's what nominal rookies do. Yeah, yeah, that would be really rough. Um, Well, Chris, that's all the time we have this week. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It was a blast talking to you, and you had some really interesting insight. It's going to make me think about a lot of players, and uh, (laughs) I'm sure everyone else who's listening at home. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad we were able to make this work. Uh, I was sort of being being elusive, which I apologize for, but I, it was <laughs> a show I really, really wanted to be on, and I'm so glad that I got to got to be, and it was really fun talking to you. Well, we'll be glad to have you on at some time uh, during the season if you're uh, if you're able to make it back on. I know football season's uh, real busy for you, but uh, we're we're glad to have you on anytime you want to come on. Yeah, no problem. Please ask again. And folks, if you're interested in the in the show, it's uh, www. I'm old, so I still say www. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, uh, have a great week and uh, take care. That's all we are for in the show this time. Next time, we're going to have J.J. Zacharyson of the Late Round Quarterback on, and we're going to be talking about some sleepers, so make sure to tune in for that show. It's going to be a blast and great information to get you ready for your drafts. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me just all.